prayer and then we can be seated. Father, thank you for your word. I pray your word penetrates tonight and that, Lord, your truth illuminates our mind and our heart and, Lord, sets us free. We will know your truth and it makes us free. Lord, thank you for your word that lives. And thank you, Lord, for ears to hear and eyes to see what the Lord is saying tonight to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to welcome those who are watching online. Uh, I can't tell which camera's on. This one's on. Everybody turn around and say, hey there, good to have you. All right. You can be seated. Amen. Amen, amen. Now, the reason I'm teaching on this is because there's a lot of messages and teachings that are moving throughout the body of Christ, especially with the advent of social media. And there's all kinds of stuff out there. And my job or my calling as a pastor is to teach you the truth of God's Word. All right? And if I see something out there that is harmful or dangerous to God's people... I'm going to address it. I'm supposed to. And I like doing it, to tell you the truth. All right? So tonight, I'm going to address something that's really out there in a big way. This teaching that a Christian can have a demon and you need to be delivered. You need to go through an exorcism, or you may need to, as a spirit-filled, blood-bought child of God. Now, I'm going to read Ephesians 6, 10 to 12. We all know this. But here's a warfare verse. My brethren, be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wild schemes, trickeries of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness, that are in the heavenly places. Now that's a fact. We're in a warfare with other beings. Okay? Now, so we're going to con- consider this, this question. Can a, since we're in this warfare, can a Christian be indwelt by a demon? Ephesians 6 makes it very, very clear that Satan and his demons are waging war against the believer. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there's a target on you, and the devil's going to come after you and after me. That's all right. He's a dog on a leash, but he's a dog. Okay? And it's true that Satan and his demons can have a strong negative influence on Christian believers. If that weren't true, we wouldn't have verses like what I just read. Or it would have been meaningless for Paul to write to the Ephesian believers, for instance, don't give the devil a foothold. Okay? So that lets me know there's a possibility for the enemy to give me a hard time. A foothold. But catch this, everybody. Foothold has nothing to do with an indwelling demon. Words matter. The word foothold means an opportunity. You don't don't want to give the devil an opportunity to give you grief, to gain an advantage in the battle. Now, what opportunity is he talking about in context? 
The context is that Paul's encouraging the Ephesian church to do away with anger and to walk in forgiveness. That's, that's the context, all right? Be angry and don't sin, he says. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Don't go to sleep angry at somebody. Don't go to sleep night after night uh, stewing over something somebody has done where you begin to hold a grudge and unforgiveness and so on and so forth. Unforgiveness is forbidden because it will give an opportunity, a foothold to the enemy to destroy church unity, family unity, marital unity. And it makes enemies out of those who should be one in Jesus Christ. You don't want those of your own household being your enemy. Right? So practice forgiveness. That's the context. It has nothing to do with an indwelling demon. But those that teach this, that you may need deliverance, use that verse to say that it is about a demon indwelling you. But it's not. That said, we as God's people are in an ongoing spiritual warfare with the devil who is our avowed enemy. Here's a partial sampling of how he attacks Christians. Let me give you some ways he attacks you and me. He tempts us. 1 Corinthians 7, 5. He's known as the tempter. He tries to outwit us. Lest Satan, Paul said, gets an advantage of us. So he'll try to outwit you. He masquerades as an angel of light. He'll come to you in a disguise. A disguise that looks good, looks godly, looks right, but it's oh so wrong. But that's one of the ways he attacks. And man, has he gained traction with that technique in these days. Another way, he hinders God's work through us. He hinders us. Paul said, Satan hindered me from getting to you, talking to the Romans. I, I tried coming to you over and over again, but Satan hindered me. Satan put up a barrier and stopped me from getting to you so that I would not deposit a blessing on you. So Satan hinders God's work. Another way, he leads the whole world astray. The whole world is under his sway. That's another activity of the devil. He does counterfeit signs and wonders. He fakes signs and wonders to... to Lure us in to listen to a person or people whose message we don't need. All right? And, and here's one. Demons inspire and they teach false doctrines. 1 Timothy 4.1. The days going to come, many are going to depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, spirits that seduce, and to teachings of devils. So devils teach. They're not just running around sticking people with a pitchfork, right? No, they teach. They teach doctrines of devils. So the, the question is not whether demons can attempt to defeat Christians in many ways. For the Bible clearly shows Satan is demons attempting and sometimes succeeding in doing this, defeating Christians. How many of you can be honest and say there's been times in my life the devil defeated me? Come on. And I learn from it. Right? All right. So here's the question of the night. Can a born-again, blood-bought, spirit-indwelt Christian 
have a demon inside himself. That is, within his or her body, where the soul and the spirit are, thus losing control over their life to the demon. Because this is what we're being told. I'm going to introduce these folks to you in a minute. They're not here, but I'm going to tell you about them. Um, but that's the message out there, that, that you, can, you can open the door to the enemy. He can get into your life as a blood-bought, spirit-filled, saved child of God, that if you open the door, he can get in, and now you need to go to your nearest neighborhood deliverance minister and have an exorcism. It's, it's very much out there. Even movies produced on it. Can I give you the name of one? out in the name of Jesus. It went everywhere. And those theaters were packed with Christians listening to this. The Greek word for possession, here comes a little bit of Greek, daimonizomai. Daimonizomai is the Greek word for possession, to be possessed of a devil. You find it 13 times in the New Testament, that word. Here's what it literally means. And again, words matter. Diamonds and I means to be under the power of an evil spirit or demon. To be under their power. To be demonized. So that there is a control factor. You're not in full control of you. Because a demon is in you. Wreaking havoc. And you need to go get it cast out. Now, let me make some distinctions about demon possession because that's what we're dealing with here. To have a demon is to be possessed by a demon. Here's a distinction. Nobody has ever said to have a demon that wasn't possessed by a demon. You can't have it and not be possessed by it. If you have it, it has you. Okay? So semantics here a little bit, but it matters because we're being told by some, you can have it but not be possessed. No, if, if you have one, or if one has you, you're daimonizomai, you're possessed. The person possessed by the demon is under the control of the demon. That's the clear message of Scripture. The demon-possessed man of Gadara was totally controlled by the legion of demons. He was out of control, broke chains wandered among the graveyards, lived in the tombs, cried out at night, ran around with no clothes, a savage reduced to that by demons in him. Okay? In Mark 9, 17 to 18, we read of a young boy that was possessed. A young boy. A father coming to Jesus for his young son said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him because he is daimonizomai. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit, look at the control factor, seizes him, look what happens. It throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. Another man came to Christ and said, The demon throws my son into the fire and into the water to burn him alive or drown him. So again, you've got a control factor. So when you when you you got to be careful what you say because if you're saying if a Christian can have a demon, 
then there's a control factor. You're, you're being driven by a demon, not the Holy Ghost, if this teaching be true. Now, here's a key point. No born again, blood-bought, spirit-indwelt Christian has ever, ever, not one time ever shown in the New Testament as having a demon within him controlling him that needed to be cast out. It's not there, not once. Amen. Not once. Now, since it's not found anywhere in the Bible, why is it being taught from many pulpits and all over social media? Why? Why would you teach it if it ain't there? Why? Didn't Jesus say you'll know the truth and it'll make you free? Now, I ask you, did, did he mean someday? Eventually, after undergoing a few exorcisms, you'll be free? No, you'll know the truth, and the immediate byproduct is freedom. All right? <clears throat> Say amen or oh me. Okay. Now, here, here this is going to be a little bit of fun, but i got to go here. One of the main spreaders of this teaching is a group out there. <clears throat> they call themselves the Demon Slayers. You can't, <clears throat> you can't make this up. <clears throat> and I'll tell you, when I first saw it, I could not help remembering the Dan Aykroyd movie, Ghostbusters. <laughs> Who are you going to turn to? Ghostbusters. If there's a ghost in your house... But their message is, who are you going to come to? Demon slayers. It's so, I'm sorry, juvenile. But they're the ones that produced the movie. Come out in Jesus' name. Demon slayers. I don't know how you get anointed and appointed to that, how you reach that level of being an official. The only demon slayer I know is J-E-S-U-S. -S. He's the only demon slayer I know. So, but here's the thing. This handful of demon slayers, and there's like six or so of them. They hundreds of thousands of people. And they have produced movies pushing this doctrine that I just mentioned. Uh, uh, they offer indicators. They offer indicators that help you and I to diagnose whether or not we have a demon. And one of the demon slayers wrote a list. And I'm going to give you the list because it matters what they say. Here's how you can know if you have a demon lurking inside. First one, depression. They said depression. One of the top demon slayers wrote this. And hundreds of thousands of people reading it. Depression. Now, I ask you a question. Is there any place in all the Word of God that calls depression a demon? I've heard them, as far as smokers, come out, spirit of nicotine. I've heard them with drinkers, come out, spirit of alcohol. I've heard them with druggies, come out, spirit of drugs or cocaine. What? Those aren't recognized in the Bible as being a demon. They are recognized as being works of the flesh. In a minute, we're going to go there. But, no, depression is a state of mind. 
that God will help you get out of. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I will yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Here's another uh, indicator that you have a demon, anxiety. Well, there goes half the church. All right. We need to have a mass deliverance session this Sunday. And sometimes I can throw me in there, right there with you. Okay? But no, there's, there's not one single verse in all the Bible that calls anxiety a demon. Why are we teaching that then? Who told you that? Where'd you get that? No, anxiety is a state of mind. God's answer, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and you know the rest. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard over your hearts and minds. Guard from what? Anxiety. Here's another one they said, rejection. That's his spirit. A demon. It's never identified as a demon. It's an emotion. God's answer, when my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. And rejection is an emotion. And you take that emotion to God, and he will comfort you. But these are indicators, we are told, by the demon slayers and this teaching that there is a spirit lurking in us. Unforgiveness, that's a spirit, in case you didn't know. It's not a demon. It's a decision to stay in unforgiveness. It's a decision to hold a grudge. God's answer, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Some others, disappointment, loneliness, misery, self-destruction. These are all indicators, we are told, hundreds of thousands of people reading this stuff, that you have something lurking inside that needs to come out. One of them, I heard it with my own ears, and I saw it on YouTube with my own eyes, said, I go about every three months to get cleaned out. <laughs> really? Yeah, I've got a deliverance friend, and I go about every three months, and I would recommend the whole body of Christ, about every three to four months, you need to go and get the demons cleaned out. What are you doing during those three months? Because you've got a nest of demons that need to come out. This one really got me. An intense desire for defiled things is an indicator you've got a demon lurking. Okay. The demon slayer writes these words, quote, Demons eat a defiled diet. I didn't know that. Is that in 3 Corinthians chapter 30? I didn't know that. I didn't know demons ate anything. They eat a defiled diet. It's natural for them to crave what is unholy and impure. So they write, I'm quoting now, if you struggle with things like weed, alcohol, drugs, or lustful thoughts, it might be an indicator something inside is causing you to crave that. Well, yeah. Something inside is causing you to crave those things. But it's called flesh. (laughs) 
I know I'm being kind of, I'm making fun, because I, I wanted to make this light. I didn't want to, ooh, devils. I, I wanted to make it a little bit light. So, but yes, something inside of you and me causes us to crave things or desire things that we don't want to desire. And Paul put it this way. The trouble is not with the law or with the word of God, for it's spiritual and good. The trouble is with me. For I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself. Ever feel that way? Why don't I understand myself? Because I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is a devil in me. I'm sorry, I misread that. What does it say? Read it with me. It is sin living in me that does it. So notice what he doesn't give as the cause of doing what you know is wrong. A demon. Wouldn't that be the perfect time for him to let you know? Right here. If you're doing what you don't want to do, and what you don't want to do, you do, then you need to go down and get exercised. And perfect place. But the Holy Ghost doesn't attribute our problem to a demon inside. He says, sin working through your flesh is the problem. He goes on, verse 18, And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my flesh. I want to do what's right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I've discovered a principle in life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with my, all my heart or with my born-again man, the new man in me. I love the Word of God. I love the will of God. Verse 23, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin The sin, the sin that is still within me. Wouldn't that be a great place for him to inform us? If it was a devil? Perfect. Either Paul missed it by the Holy Ghost, or we're hearing some wrong teaching. He says, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life? that is dominated by sin and death. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Now, in the very next chapter, because that was Romans 7, in the very next chapter, Romans 8, he gives us the solution to the problem. Romans 8, 1 to 2. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit that has freed you or has freed you Let me read this slow. The power of the life-giving Spirit has, past tense, freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Not just from the guilt of sin, but from the power of sin. Five to six verses, uh, verses five to six, Romans eight. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Notice, dominated, controlled. The issue is, one of two things is going to control every child of God. 
your flesh or the Holy Spirit. Be filled, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. That means controlled by. Every believer is called to be controlled by, led by, directed by the Spirit of God. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they're going to think about things that please the Spirit and, th and that please the Lord by default. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your thought life leads to life and peace. Are you tracking with me? So, so nowhere in, in this incredible dissertation on what God has done for every believer, nowhere are we told that our problem as believers is an indwelling demon. We are told that until we go to heaven, we're going to deal with that old flesh. Yep, you're going to deal with that old flesh. How many of you can say, my flesh rose up today, I had to deal with it? Through the, the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. How do I do it? By the power of the Spirit living in me, I put to death the deeds of my sinful nature, I will live. Does it say anything about getting an exorcism? No. It says, I've got to learn to walk in the Holy Ghost. I've got to learn to walk in the Spirit i got to learn to get up every day and get in the Word of God. I've got to learn to get up every day and follow the dictates of the Holy Spirit. Because as I get up every day and yield my life to the Lord and walk in the Spirit, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Nothing about demons being cast out. So Christians have an incredible reason to be confident in the victory Jesus has secured for us over the devil. A couple more verses real quick, and then I'm going to take a couple of questions, and I do believe I'll have a few. But here we go. Christians have incredible cause with this verse. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Can we say that together? And let's personalize it. He has rescued me from the dominion of darkness and brought me into the kingdom of the son he loves. He has rescued me from what? Dominion. That means control. The control of darkness. He has rescued past tense and brought me into another kingdom. The kingdom of the son of his love. Through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, we've been rescued from Satan's control. That's past tense. It's done. 
Notice it says he has rescued us from the devil's dominion. He has rescued. He has brought us into a brand new kingdom with a new king, new power, new life, new beginning, new hope. When Jesus called Paul to the ministry, he described his future ministry this way. Jesus said to Saul, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them, the Gentiles, that's us, to open their eyes and turn them, read it with me everybody, from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So the minute you're saved, you are uh, turned from darkness to light and you are delivered from the power of Satan to the power of God. Amen. I close with one more verse. 1 John 5, 18. We know that anyone born of God does not sin. That means does not live in sin as they did before their salvation. They don't practice sin without conviction. That's what it's saying. But he who was born of God, he, that's capital H, talking about Jesus now, he who was born or begotten of God, talking about Jesus, keeps us. And the evil one does not touch us. The word touch here is the Greek word aptomai, and it means to fasten to. So the devil can't fasten himself to a genuine, blood-bought, born-again, spirit-indwelt child of God. He can't fasten himself to you and to me. When you're walking around spirit-filled to the devil, you got kryptonite. Okay? So this whole movement encouraging Christians to get demons cast out of them, it's built on bad teaching. Now, you can disagree with me. That's fine. You're still saved. I'm still saved. But if you come and say, would you cast the devil out of me? I'm going to say, no, I'm going to teach you. What the Bible says God already did for you. <clears throat> Through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? I am right under a fan, and I need to get out from under it. Questions? Is there any water for me that I can grab a water, please? <clears throat> Thank you, J.D. Does anybody have a question based on this? Oh, let's start over there. Dwayne? No. <clears throat> start that way, and we'll go this way. Hello. Um, how do I ask this? Thank you. My sister, years ago, when she was in high school, mm -hmm. um, she played with the Ouija board. Yep. And she got hooked mm -hmm. where she was playing with it by herself. Yep. And ever since then, she claims, she may be watching, she claims to have a something evil. And it has followed her throughout these years. Um, she's never said that it's possessed her, but it's everywhere she goes. And it, I think it has, it has even affected, like, her kids and anyone that has lived with her in her home. So, I mean, she, she hasn't said she's possessed, but 
and she goes to church. She said she's a believer. Do you believe she's a believer? Well, yeah. Because you can go to church. Yeah, I mean, she and I have discussed scripture. Does she live a Christian life? Not her whole life. (laughs) Well. Not her whole life. But, okay, let's suppose she really is. I don't want to make her mad if she's watching. But let's suppose she is a believer. Would this thing still be following her? Would it still be attached to her? No, because he, he can't attach. Mm-hmm. Okay? We can be harassed. Okay. We can be, uh, 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 I mean, I have spiritual battles, and the spiritual battle is almost invariably in your mind. That's, that's the battleground of the devil is your mind. Uh, that's where the fiery darts go into your mind. Uh, so I can't say that you won't experience oppression. Mm-hmm. That's very different. Possession is controlled by. Right. Okay, your life isn't yours. They're indwelling your body. Oppression is, you're, you're, you know, I go through battles, spiritual battles from time to time, where I can't say I feel on top of the world. I'm in a battle in my mind. So I, what my solution is to get into the Word of God and saturate my mind in it. Because the word is the sword of the spirit. And that word, just reading it and soaking it in, gives me peace and, and strengthens my faith. And eventually, that battle will pass. Now, being stalked for years, mm-hmm. I would wonder about, A, genuine salvation. B, how much is she spending time in the word of God, standing on the promises of God? And has she taken it to God in prayer as a committed Christian mm-hmm. and ask God uh, to deal with it. Because my experience is when you do that, he deals with it. He gives you some kind of a word of wisdom, something to do, some, uh, some uh, manner of attack, and, and it, it passes. Well, she's in, she, and I've talked to her about it. I told her to go talk to her pastor. Mm-hmm. She, I think she's afraid. I'm not sure. But she believes that the only way she's going to get rid of it is that she, is this is what she's been told, she has to go back to the Ouija board to close the door. No. And I t- she doesn't want to do that. No. So, yeah, I've told her to go talk to her pastor. That's like getting out know. of a, a burning fire, a house on fire, and your clothes are on fire. And somebody says, if you want to get healed of these burns, you need to go back in. No. Okay. No, okay, no. so I hope she's watching so she could hear your answer. Yeah, no, that's that's no solution. That's exactly right. So I have something to actually add to that. Um, I have a friend who was really involved in stuff like that, similar to that. Um, the only movies that he would ever watch would be horror movies, and that led to him having sleep paralysis... Um, hearing noises in his house at night and having him insecure about where he is in his house and just genuine fear of what's going on. And I was talking to him, and he said um, he started to believe. And once he fully committed himself and he truly surrendered his entire heart to God... Every night he went to bed, he never went to sleep paralysis. He never had yeah. any spirits lurking around because he said all that he was feeling was the Holy Spirit. 
and um, that really surprised me because I've known this guy since I was like nine years old, and to hear that he was saved was amazing, and he's completely changed. Like he's cut music out of his life, secular music. He used to really be into Billie Eilish. He doesn't listen to her anymore. He actually had a vinyl uh, of Billie Eilish. It was a record. And he he burnt it because he wanted to separate everything that was holding him back from... So see, when he gave his heart to Christ, the devil and the Holy Ghost can't live in the same house in here. So that's a great testimony. Thank you. And... Um, let me get here. Um, we want questions. Go ahead. Uh, Pastor, as we're speaking about uh, de- demonic possession, uh, can you explain a little bit about the unclean spirit that I guess was cast out and then he wandered and then seven more came back? How does that work? Well, okay, you, if you take that thing? in context, this, when Jesus said this is the way a, an evil spirit does, if he's kicked out of the house, he wanders. And he comes back and finds the house swept and clean and brings seven more with him. If you track that carefully in context, he's talking about Israel. And Jesus came and cleaned the house. Okay? And he said, but when I'm gone, when I leave, it's going to be worse than before I came. And that's why when he was carrying his cross up the hill and all the women of Jerusalem were weeping for him, uh, he said, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and your children and your children's children because if they've done this in the green tree, in other words, when I'm here, if they've acted this way with me here, God, what will they do when it's dry? So in context, you'll find that. Okay? Someone yes. else. Um, getting back to Paul, now before Paul got saved and he was doing all that camp of killing, was he demon-possessed then, before he got saved? I don't know. Uh, I don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. Uh, I certainly believe, I have to say, if he's killing Christians, torturing them, he, he testifies what he did. He, he ripped families apart from each other. He forced people to recant their Christian faith. Um, he did horrible things. Now, he certainly wasn't led by the Spirit of God, was he demonized? I wouldn't be surprised if he if he wasn't. But the Bible doesn't say. So the the rule of thumb is that the Bible does if is silent on something, you don't add to it. Silence is golden. If the Bible is silent, I'm silent. So we can conjecture, but that's the best we can do. Okay? Anyone else? All right. Dwayne. Okay, over here. Well, I agree with you 100%, okay, what you're teaching. I have known people in the past, and just let me know if this is true, um, what they tend to do is they deify Satan and raise him to a higher level than the power of Christ to deliver them. Is that usually the case? And I felt that there was a possibility these people were not saved when they, you know, needed deliverance and all this. And it's like it's it's like a, a line there, you know, and I yeah. don't know 
uh, I actually heard one person, a, a voice come out of them that was not their voice. Yeah. And so, but I think when they, when people deify Satan, give him much greater power, doesn't that tend to give well, Satan more control in their lives? Remember, he, Satan deals with us mainly on, by lying. Mm -hmm. If he can't lie to you, he can't get by with much. And I'm real careful to not give the devil more credit than he's due. Amen. A lot of the time we say, well, the devil did this, the devil did that. And I look at it and I go, I'm not going to say the devil did that. Amen. Uh, Amen. Um, we do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Some things are attributed to the Holy Spirit. I don't believe for a minute we're the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so it goes both ways. Uh, but I think some people are, like if you went back to the Middle Ages... Oh my, they had terrible superstitions. They believed if you sneeze, this is where Kazoon type came, came from, or God bless you when somebody sneezes. They believed when they sneezed that their soul came out. And they opened themselves up. Or that when they sneezed, a demon got in. They believed this. So they got into the habit of God bless you, God bless you, God be with you, sort of speak a blessing over the curse. So if you're walking around with these weird belief systems, all the time you're thinking the devil's doing something he's not. And that way, yeah, he can move in and torture you or torment you or harass you with things. But, again, we must live in the Word because the Word will tell you what he does and what he doesn't do. And so I think, yeah, if you over-promote the devil, everything's the devil. There's a devil behind every bush. And so, yeah. Yes, sir? Um, I have a question oh, about yes. that. Okay. Do I stand? No, you're good. Okay, okay. Uh, I have a question about um, about the possession part. When it comes to someone being possessed, is it like a way for like them to be possessed one moment and not be possessed another moment? Like, like not like they can still have the demon oh, yeah. in you, yeah. but one moment they're okay, the next moment they go yeah. crazy. If and they're lost and there is a demon operating in their life, we have the story of the, the little boy. He wasn't being thrown in the fire all the time. But it says, when it seizes him. So there were moments or seasons when it seized him. Other times it was dormant. So, yeah, you're not always walking around necessarily. I've seen some people, they seem to always be demonized. Uh, but others, at the right moment, there was this manifestation. But again, they were lost. And they were not in charge of their, their lives. I'll tell you, I've ministered a long time. I've only had a handful of experiences where I know I was looking at the devil in somebody and I bound that devil in Jesus' name and cast it out. And I've been ministering a long time. I can count them almost on one hand where I know it was a demon, an actual hellacious, straight-from-the-pit demon looking at me through their eyes and I had to take authority but it was it was rare however I've known of a lot of people that definitely had demonic activity that would manifest from time to time and they needed to get saved amen all right let me get over here over here we'll take a couple more and in the middle right here. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, I 
I think I can speak from experience with this. When I first got saved, I was coming out of, well, a life of abuse as a child, drugs, just about every drug. <laughs> I probably made a few up, you know. <laughs> but when I got saved, it wasn't pretty. There was a battle going on <laughs> for a long yeah. time. I think we need to understand that this is the flesh. It's not a demon. And the thing with me, a lot of it, we're not dealing with sin as far as an action. We're dealing with sin as a person. That per, our sin nature is a person. And Paul said, and the Bible says, we need to cast, not cast it out, but we need to put it to death. Exactly right. And that's a struggle we have yeah. all our life. So that, yeah. so if anybody's new and they're struggling with things, yeah. it isn't that you're saved. Keep reading the word. Yeah. Keep praying. And, and get, yeah. you know, get have people speak yeah. the truth over you. That's right. It's a matter of uh, renewing, renewing the mind. This lady right here, Dwayne. Okay. This concerning 10-year-old granddaughter. She uh, was watching shows, this series. And at Christmas time, she's all excited. She got this big series of books. Everybody's all, she can read those books. And it's so great. They are animated. The show's animated, but it's called Demon Slayer. Have you heard of the oh, children's show? I just read show? about them. <laughs> yeah, when you said that, really I thought, a show? That, it's a kid's show. Okay, of course. <laughs> So, yeah. Uh, they they lived with me up until a year ago. They're living in with their father now, and we don't have the greatest relationship, which I'm working on. But what is your advice for me to give her to not say, "Oh, your books are horrible. You shouldn't read that." But it's basically probably the same thing if that's the name of the She's show. She's ten. She's ten. Oh. Our brother's eight, and well, they're both if, into. Well, if a child it. is ten, then the parents ought to have the authority and right to say this is not what you're reading and if they don't then you're gonna have to pray for the child yeah okay all right questions any questions okay right over here oh like if you're around people who got demons can you get them to no, I, I don't believe that. That's like laying out of hands. I'm gonna, I can lay hands on you and the Holy Spirit touch you, but you are not a receptacle for a demon going into somebody else's body. That person has to open their own door when they're lost. Drugs, huge door opener for demonic activity. Okay, uh, so but no, you can't pass them on that way okay so uh anyone else over here way back there okay hi so i have heard a couple of testimonies and when i went on a mission trip to africa so i've heard different testimonies from around the country and the world about people that are coming out of the occult Mm -hmm. And the key thing that they say is even if you're a Christian, if you give them a gateway, they have power over you. And the example is the Ouija board or 
songs, because somebody was talking about secular music, books. And so the key thing that you keep saying is if you're spirit-filled. But if you have a Christian that is with one foot in the world and one foot in the church or in, the, in Christianity, does the devil not have power over that? If, if that person is truly born again, and here we're dealing with semantics again, but to me, if the Spirit of God indwells you, uh, then you can be oppressed. You can be uh, harassed by the enemy. But you will not be indwelt by a demon if the Spirit of God is dwelling in you. There's not one instance, not one, in all the, the Word of God showing any such thing. Can your mind come under oppression if you're messing around with things in the world as a child of God? Yes. And as I preached on Sunday, God is going to chasten you. You are going to be chastened by God. He will chasten you as his child. But you will not need to run down to the nearest deliverance minister and have a demon cast out. You repent. And when you repent, you're forgiven. And the enemy's power is broken. It, really and truly question is going to be if you're truly, truly committed and you're truly saved. If you're truly born again. And that's a big question because I and think... And then I guess the other question or the semantic is oppression or possession. The, the, because clinically, when you're talking about depression, medically cl depression, that is the, what you said is the battlefield is in the mind. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people that suffer from anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, it's what is being said and heard in their mind. Sure. So that's not necessarily that's possession. Not possession. You're saying is no. oppression. No, that's oppression. That's the, the, the desperate need to have your mind renewed. That's why I'm such a believer in the power of God's word. Uh, Romans 12:1. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? The renewing of your mind. So much of the battles... When I was first saved, I came out of a horrible past. And I had all kinds of entanglements and hang-ups and issues. But I found that the key was not demons coming out, but it was Jeff Wickwire spending countless hours in the Word of God, soaking in the Word. And it, it, all those things began to vaporize and dissipate and lose their strength. And I got freer and freer in my thinking. But there was no demons dwelling in me once I was saved and the Spirit of God came to dwell inside of me. It just, you can't. But can you be oppressed? Yes. But the, the key is that renewing of the mind. You're, you're getting rid of stinking thinking. You are erasing old ways of thinking and replacing it with new ways of thinking. And that is why Paul makes that clarion call in Romans 12, 1 and 2. That's the job of every believer. You renew your mind every day.